0: summer festival. I'm Kristen Brznowski, executive editor of TV Kids. And today we're talking to leading programmers from digital AVOD services all about their content needs. I have with me APMC's Kadoodle TV's Brenda Bisner, Happy Kids, David DiLorenzo, Canela Kids, Maggie salas and Playgrounds, Daniel Nordberg. Hello everyone. Hello. Hi. Hey, uh. Great to have you all here. Brenda, let's start with you. What's driving this boom in AVOD in the kids sector?
1: Thank you very much for having us here today. And hello, everybody out there. I hope you're enjoying this. Um, you know, the boom, I think, I- has been over time. We We've been early believers in the AVOD space for a long time, of course. But, you know, let's look at what's going on in the world right now. There's a lot of subscription cutting. There's, you know, issues with our economy, and I think there is a desperate need for content available with no barrier to entry for kids and families globally. And uh, with that, I think it, it really comes down to how much content is out there, right? And the easy accessibility that we've had um, because of another large platform showing that you can have anything, anytime, anywhere as well. Um, you know, and and really the drive for kids, Avod, I think comes from, you know, parents having, you know, being younger and having grown up with the internet. And of course, knowing the dangers that kids can face online and making wise decisions and researching where their children can safely view content online, which is where we specialize.
2: I think it really is about audience growth. I think the growth of Avaud is really about uh, transitioning audiences. I mean, in the U.S. market, we lost about 6 million subscribers on cable satellite last year. I think Comcast just reported another 600,000 loss in Q1 of uh, 2023. So really, there's been a paradigm shift of where audiences are going to watch content through the pandemic. We saw triple digit growth uh, with audiences that slowed a little bit last year into high double digits. But uh, really, I think to Brenda's point, the paradigm shift of uh, audiences are, are really moving into streaming now. And that's where they're finding most of their content.
1: I've been talking to so many parents recently and as kids get ready to go into summer and a lot who can go to camp, a lot of subscription cutting, I think is on the horizon during that time because people aren't going to be home. So why pay, you know, 1099 or 499 for something you're not using? I think we're just very wise to a budget at this moment, you know, and if it's not got new stuff on it that you can go and binge right away or find your favorites from a long time ago, it's, it's incredibly difficult to justify another expense we
3: serve the US Hispanic market and also across Latin America with Canela kids. And I think what's driving the boom in that, in that specific, um, you know, age groups and, and parents and families, they're on the go, like you guys are saying. So they have to be able to not have the kids sitting in, in a normal traditional setting where we're waiting for premieres or shows, you know, must see TV. So we're on the on the go environment. And I think it's really boomed um, I, I go around in the restaurants and I see the smaller kids with the iPads and I look over. I'm curious to see what they're watching, not stalking them. But of course, you know, we see Melon and the usual suspects that are really driving the numbers. You know, for us, it was important to showcase um, during our early rollout, you know, well-known franchises to both, you know, the kids and the parents who are coming in. You know, we promote our, you know, our space as a safe 100% in Spanish and always free environment. For, for our families.
4: Yeah, we see also that the, the possibility of getting multilingual content throughout Europe is uh, a key driver for growth in this region with all the different languages you have um, across Europe.
0: Now, how much are you currently buying for the platform, either in terms of hours or just a ballpark? And has that changed in the last year or so?
2: We've been aggressive in, in acquiring content. Uh, I mean, I think that Today's audience, kids are watching a lot of different types of formats, a lot of different types of content. I mean, we've got a mix of uh, studio-produced content, uh, YouTube influencers, UGC gaming. You know, we have very strict standards and practices, making sure that we have a safe environment for kids uh, to watch this content. I think last quarter, we probably bought in about a thousand half hours, probably about uh, two-thirds of that was probably studio-produced content from global producers. And then uh, the rest of that was probably YouTube content. And that. It's just in terms of new IP, and then we've got monthly refreshes coming in from partners like Moonbug and others who are bringing in new content on a monthly basis.
3: So at Canela Kids, you know, last year we did a a rollout in August with Moonbug, um, as David says, he's got Moonbug, and we took advantage of the fact that they had new content coming in that wasn't available on other Hispanic streamers at the moment, and we were able to capitalize on that. We've rolled out in the last year probably over... Anywhere from 1,700 to 2,000 hours. We have about 3,000 hours right now on our platform, including our original Super Ellas that just won a Gracie Award um, in non-Family, you know, non-English family programming category. And also Club Club Mundo Kids, which is a co-production with Exile, which we just launched season two during Women's History Month.
4: I think we're probably the youngest streamer uh, among the crowd. So we're still building on our portfolio. So we're trying to increase as much as possible to cater to the European audience.
1: You know, we've been doing this since 2012. We have a very robust catalog. We're serving kids under 12 in 160 countries. So it's it's a lot of mouths to feed, I say. Um, and, you know, it's <laughs> it's curating the biggest brands in the world it's really a quantity not a quantity play but a quality play for us we own the word safe streaming you know years ago when i was walking around saying that i had three eyeballs now we're all saying it a lot on this call today even and that's great Um, so for us we want partners that you know are caring about that mission and what we're doing to better the children's experience online around the world And matched with the philanthropic endeavors, which I can talk about just very briefly, you know, we're feeding families, there's a crisis out there, people are having trouble doing that. Um, We're, you know, doing a million dollar school giveaway, uh, which is also really rewarding. And, you know, we want partners that are going to talk about being on Cadoodle TV, we want brands that are going to... um, Plant the seeds and continuously water the plants. You know, slapping a show, doing a deal, walking away without monitoring how it's doing on the service. And we have a backstage um, analytics portal, uh, which is very transparent and it's quality revenue. We want our partners engaged. The mandate's always been: welcome to the Cadoodle TV family. This is a relationship, and that's very important in AVOD to really say. So, you know, we're a multi branded channel. We're not a niche channel, and. I'm looking at everything all the time. I think I'm a judge for most every organization and, you know, it's, I've been playing in the same sandbox for many, many years. So it's not about not having access, but making the right decisions with the partners that are going to be engaged because it is a family. It, it It's all the children in the world are our children. And that might sound crazy, but that's, you know, our our moral obligation to do the right thing for them. So that's giving the right content, keeping it fresh, making sure that we're measuring and organizing things in the right way from a user experience perspective, listening to our kids because they're the smartest ones in the room, you know, consistent updates. And then we love partners that, We have a schedule and we know what's coming from them that's always really wonderful as well so you know we want partners that are going to respond to the emails not the ones that are going to here you go good luck hope it's great and then go away you know that's there's no place for that right now um and i will say one last point there not to talk too much but you know social strategy i know it's controversial for a lot of companies but it's it's not it's not hard in, in theory and with the right execution it really does help elevate a brand because there's a lot out there right now. I mean, you could sit and scroll through Netflix, for example, and waste your whole night doing so. So there's a lot to choose from. What's what's going to uh, get the attention of the parents that are scrolling, that are busy, that are interested? I would say you go to a concert, you want to get to the front of the stage to see the show. How are you going to do that in today's marketplace? Um, and that's something that we're really focused on as well.
0: In in terms of acquisitions, what are all of you looking for right now? Could be genres, genders, themes, age groups, but what is on those wish lists?
1: Well, we just partnered with the Dude Perfect brand, which is one of the largest YouTube brands in the world. And it is a partner. It is a family relationship. There are so many things that we're doing with them that are above and beyond. And that partnership signifies um, you know the trajectory in a major way right we're not just looking for back catalog we're looking for brands with significant awareness and partners that are engaging you know they're participating with us in our our you know school giveaway and our feeding family initiatives we also plant trees I forgot to say that um, but what they mean for families all around the world because to assume well we we used to talk about co-viewing during COVID a lot and now we're, it's still something that comes up but we're not talking about it so much any longer and co-viewing differs from age demographic but you know we're connected tv focus we believe that viewing is happening in the living room together and that co-viewing opportunity to bring families together is something that's highly celebrated and just the core values of our partners and what they stand for aligning so for us you know it's we're always looking at everything right we're 12 and under for Cadoodle TV and, you know, our Hispanic audience has grown quite significantly, which is very important for us to make sure that we're meeting the families with, you know, where they're at in the language that's spoken in their home. Um, And of course, you know, uh, gender is a funny conversation right now as well, because it's never about, we need more boys programming or more girls programming. We need programming that the kids want to see. And that's what we're always looking for.
3: So in our space we really want to tell the stories you know always from a kid perspective but i do see a lot of um spin-off characters um in a lot of the shows like for canela kids we just premiered cody time and mika which are spin-offs mm-hmm. of coco melon and Blippi. and i heard that there's another spin-off coming off coco melon so i feel like there's a lot of spin-offs coming out of the most popular shows just because people have become accustomed to the characters but in our case, you know, we just produced Super ellas, which is, um, it was seven stories of um, Hispanic trailblazers like Frida Kahlo, Isabel Allende. Um, Selena is one of the most viewed um, from, the, from the group. And I think we need to be telling more stories about culture. I don't, I don't see that out there. Um, I do see a lot of um, franchises that used to be very well-known, like the Wiggles trying to make a comeback, you know, their upcoming Amazon Um, piece and then I heard there's a rumor that there might be a tour next year so I see a lot of that and in my case we're looking we're not looking so much for preschool we have a lot of preschool but we're looking more for that seven to nine and family oriented titles
4: for us being European focused, we're looking for the European favorites so uh, like Barba Papa in France Fixie and Foxy in Germany those that resonate with parents and that maybe they even watch when, when they were uh, kids. So really going after those uh, classics and, and
2: newer productions of those. Let's say for happy kids. Um, I think we're looking for right now, we're looking for live action, uh, looking at movies, you know, in terms of existing partners, looking for new ways to work with partners, whether that, uh, you know, to, to Maggie's point is a spin-off series or something that maybe is exclusive to our audience. Uh, so Working with partners to find uh, new ways to bring uh, new exciting content around a brand that they're already very familiar with, as well as, uh, you know, I really our focus, we're zero to 12 as well. And, uh, but our focus lately is lately a lot of juggernauts in the preschool space, whether it's Coco Melon or Puff Tails from uh, Paw Patrol, et cetera. So we've got a very strong presence in preschool. So I think one of the challenges for us is trying to find that older audience content and also navigating that older audience content because we want to be a safe place. And we know there's kids are out watching content in a lot of different places today in a lot of different formats. So it's really about trying to find the content that they're watching and bringing it, you know, bringing the content that we feel is appropriate for our audience into our network.
0: And Maggie mentioned some good cultural stories as being something that's a little more difficult to find. So I'm curious for each of you, what are you not seeing enough of out there that you would like to see and pick up for the
1: platform? Diversity. <laughs> there. I plug that every time I speak on something. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I would say diversity is a, a great point, Brenda, as well as, um, you know, live action sitcom is a really tough format. Uh, you know, it's a format that's produced by a couple of large uh, networks you know trying to find and we've, we've found some gems actually from Australia and some other places in the world that have worked well for our audience but that's always a format that's tough for us
3: so that's a big gap in the market I'm glad that you guys bring it up because it's the reason that we created our own original we didn't see anything out there so we created again I, I go back to it because it's done so well for us it's our top rated show super ellas and it's a canela original it was produced with a, a company called upstairs here in in I'm in Florida so in Miami it's a female-led company. And they came to us with the idea it had a completely different name. Um, and so our Canela development team, myself included, our executive, one of our executive producers is our uh, chief operating officer, Michael Rafferty. And of course, Isabel, who is, uh, our Isabel Rafferty, our CEO. It was a passion project for her and for the company to bring these stories to life. So I would like to see more of that. And
4: I agree with the rest of the group. Diversity. Um, a lot of the shows that are created in Europe are licensed by the local um, state uh, broadcasters. So we're not seeing them coming over to the the AVOD platforms. And they're also often co-produced by the the local broadcasters, which uh, does not make them easy accessible for an AVOD platform.
0: In terms of deal structures, are you operating strictly on license fee deals? Uh, Is it rev shares? Uh, Are distributors now insistent on minimum guarantee? How are these deal structures working now with these platforms? All of the
2: above. <laughs> I, I mean, we're doing flat license deals. Um, we do advance MG deals. Um, we do rev share deals. It really depends on the content, the exposure of the content maybe that it has across other platforms and how well it's known across uh, our audience. So it's, there's really there's no one set structure for us and how we operate with partners, but I think what we want to do is be able to bring partners in and make sure that uh, we do the best job we can to support their content and make sure that their content is seen and that it's uh, given an opportunity to shine on our network.
3: The same thing as David, you know, it's going to depend on the content and the partner. I mean, mostly all of our our things are license fees. Um, I try to do away with rev shares unless it's a fast opportunity. I think that works better for everybody. And all the distributors I've been talking to uh, for a fast opportunity don't bring up you know, any number, they just said, you know, ref share, can you pay some portion of the materials cost? Um, and minimum guarantee, I think it, again, it really depends on who it is that they say, you know, it's 250 K and we don't go any, anything below that. We have to move you know, forward with that. But I think it depends again on the property um, and what it's gonna bring to, to the platform ultimately.
4: Yeah, and being a young company, it's fairly expensive as as the rest of the team knows to build a, a good content portfolio. We are limited and and we only do revenue share deals with no minimum guarantees. Um so that's our structure um to build our portfolio.
1: Yeah, for us, you know, we've always been disruptive in how we look at things and is contextual. Every brand is different, every company is different, everything has a different possibility. And Well, it's looking at the brands that are hot right now. It's very much about future casts and what the next ones are going to be. And that is something that, you know, we spend a lot of time measuring and we are a tech company. So, you know, we can measure, we can tell what's going to happen more or less. um, You know, we're not fortune tellers in that regard, but there are some, you know, uh, estimations that can be made around brands that we know have already been successful with us. Um, We pay a CPM rate that's not advert dependent and all of our adverts are you know safe vetted for kids and not interrupting the show which is something that we are very serious about so it's nothing's off the table but for the most part it is an additional revenue stream we have been a new revenue stream for a lot of people and i think you know when we're looking at the space it's you know how you want eyeballs and revenue right that those are two trigger words for any company if you put that in an email subject you most likely will get a response just top tip um because it, you know you want to reach kids and how you're reaching kids should matter right just putting it anywhere and and not knowing and what it's sitting next to what it looks like on the service how other things may be found those are those are considerations are certainly around children's content that need to be put on the table before making any deal Um, And then of course the communication and transparency around it. So, you know, for us, we feel we have a very uh, fair deal structure. I I think the every conversation has to be different, especially the bigger the brands are, especially what their needs are. Um, And there's a lot of ways that we can meet needs for companies just in general. So, um, you know, it's, it's a dialogue.
0: Is exclusivity becoming more important or less nowadays?
1: Well, I mean, should we address the, there's no such real thing as exclusivity in (laughs) because it's all over the place. So it's like, I'll go back to my social strategy comment. And I think the creative packaging that partners can do with their brands, be creative. You know, if it's repetitive and in a different package, can that work and why, how is it different? You know, we all are saying a lot of shows we have, right? We have a lot of similar brands. We have a lot of similar, we all know the same people. (laughs) So how is it going to be different for David? How is it going to be different for me? How is it going to be different for Maggie and Daniel? You know, that's really important. And what's that conversation and how are the two companies going to cross promote in a way that's going to make sure it has exposure and people are going to go there to watch it. That's really the bottom line.
3: So I think Brenda has a good point, you know, um, you see a lot of the same shows across different platforms, and it's not only in the kids environment, it's also, you know, in the teens and in the, you know, general audience. So what makes it different, you know, and I'll share this, you know, when we acquired the Moonbug package, you know, it was on another Hispanic streamer, but since we had done a deal after they did their deal, we got new stuff. So that was the the kind of the competitive advantage that we had and what I was able to present to our you know, to our executives and say, yes, we're coming in. And yes, you're right. You know, Coco Melon is all over the place. And so are the other shows, but we're coming in with new seasons. And we had two new shows that were not part of the package that, you know, another streamer had um, in Hispanic. And now they, their license is over and we are really the ones that are owning the space. We just premiered Cody time. We just premiered Mika. We have new, you know, over 140 new episodes. So it gives us a big competitive advantage in the market. Plus, we share it on our social media. We use the artwork on our billboards, you know, whether it be in LA or somewhere in Chicago in the U.S. Hispanic market or across Latin America and Mexico, you know, our brands, you know, music, sports, kids, our general, you know, Canela.tv brand, they're always in those billboards. We always have one of the Canela Kids You know, shows or characters featured on there. So I think that's that's the difference.
2: We work towards you know exclusive packages in some instances, but to everyone's point, some of this content is across multiple platforms, so we can use those exclusive, whether it's exclusive special or something, as something to bring to our audience and say, hey, we're bringing something new to you, that's different. And then our parent company, Future Today, I mean, we're a publisher of apps, so we publish apps for a lot of brands, so which gives us a little bit of a a different look, maybe not so much in being exclusive content, but maybe the largest place to find that content if we're talking about the like the Lego app or the Coca-Melon app or the Blippy app. These are destinations that have an entire portfolio of content. So uh in that respect, um it's not necessarily exclusive, but it's sort of the destination hub to find everything under a specific brand.
4: And and I think for us, um, it doesn't go hand in hand with a revenue share model only. So uh, um, exclusivity demands some kind of uh, commercial commitment where, which we are too young to, to take on board.
0: And Maggie mentioned some originals for Canela Kids. And just looking across the entire AVOD Kids landscape, but then also your specific platforms, Are originals starting to make their way into the forward-looking plans? What do you see for the prospects in that space for originals to sit alongside these catalogs of acquired programs?
3: So I think it's important for us, you know, Canela.TV, our our mothership, like I like to call it, right, Um, produces um, Villanas, and they just um, announced a second season and also a brand new show that they just announced at the upfront. They also did Mi Vida. They've done Narco Impacto. So for Canela Kids, Canela Music has always been producing original and so has sports. It was a natural transition in our journey to develop the, the Latin Trailblazer stories to become a co-producer with Exile and Club Mundo Kids, which is a, a fabulous educational show. And then I have a third idea that we will be developing sometime next year, which um, is, is going to be really focused on something that I think ne- needs to also be told, which is about the environment. You know, sustainability, reusing our bags, planting a tree. Like Brenda said, you know, I love that all those initiatives are taking place um, in some of the platforms, and we are on that journey. You know, um, out of the Supereyas came a coloring book. They did an event in LA. Like these are the kinds of grassroots events that we want to focus on. That our originals are not just part of a screen that you sit there and it's static, but that it becomes part of community.
1: We've been doing originals for a while. It's, you know, we're not someone that you would call for co-production or gap financing. So just know that right now. Um, our originals are are made in house with our incredibly creative team and they do a fantastic job. We just um, did one called what's the word and it's in French and it's in Spanish, very preschool, obviously, but Um, With that, we integrated interactive content. So we have it with both opportunities. And what we found when we did that with our technology um, is that we had higher view-through rates with that content. So to Maggie's point about taking it off the screen, it's it's really getting engagement in a further way uh, for us. And that's something that we've been testing out across the board. We have a few other shows that really encourage that as well. Um, and, you know, right now we're finishing an ASL show, which we think is going, It it is really, really great. So, uh, you know, that's tapping into diversity in some context as well. So for us, it's, it's, it's passion and it's driving how we can change how content is made because we're watching the industry. And of course, now we're all talking about AI and what that opportunity brings to the table. You know, we're really compressing time in a lot of ways. So, you know, all things we're deeply interested in, and taking some very, um, you know, analytical approaches to our decision making. There, yeah.
2: say for us. Um, I don't know that we're today at the point where we're going to be co-producing with a studio-produced show. I mean, I think that's something that we are interested in exploring, but um, I'm not quite sure. Twenty twenty-three will be that year or not? Uh, we do work with a lot of gamers in the gaming space. I mean, we have a lot of user-generated content and. So we do co-produce with gamers. It gives us an opportunity to create thematics around some of this gaming content as well as making sure that it you know, uh, fits into our standards and practices. So it's a, a good way for us to create the gaming content because kids are watching a lot of gaming content on a lot of different platforms. So it gives us an opportunity to create something that they can come and watch that they can only find on Happy Kids.
1: Yeah, just on gaming, we have one of the largest gaming content catalogs that's safe streaming vetted. So that Roblox, Minecraft, gamers... Coming to play games is uh, is a great opportunity and, and not that expensive to make so it's it's interesting
4: from our side uh, we looked a lot into AI so um, beginning of this year we started to develop a, another service called story play where users can create their own stories um, launched it I think uh, it's two weeks from now and they've so far created over a thousand stories and and it's really interesting these are right now, audio only, but it's really interesting what you can do with a tool like that. And I think for us, AI would play a bigger part in in our future when it comes to uh, producing original content.
1: You can also ask chat GPT life's existential questions and train it to do things. If you haven't done it yet, it's really fun. (laughs) Looking
0: at some of the analytics or what you can learn from some of the tech behind these platforms, what do you know about how kids are watching and what kids are watching on avod is the viewing concentrated around a few tentpole shows is what's popular on linear different from what's working best on avod
3: so i just got some you know i i review the numbers um we are on a platform that sometimes is a, a bit limited to get data from and i know that it's improving but i do see the same usual suspects you know anything that we premiere um, anything that's very well known, you know, Pocoyo, you know, that's a huge show, um, is on there. Coco Melon is on there for Latam. We don't have Coco Melon on Avod for US, obviously, because it's on on Netflix. So we do have it in Latam on Avod. It's always, um, you know, rating. Cody's rating. Mika's already rating. Club Mundo Kids is moving up there. Um, our our original is our number one show, actually. Um, And on linear we have some type of limited data, but we know which of the of the channels that we've curated we have eight channels that we've rolled out over the last year. uh, Between preschool seven to nine um, 10 to 12 um, um, a movie linear channel and uh, we have, you know, two or three other ones that are outside, but we have eight that we've curated in house, including a moonbug fast channel so. It's For me, it's been the usual things um, and a little bit of surprises, depending on where I'm looking, if it's USA or Mexico or Colombia or just overall. Um, but I do see a trend where When I have certain shows that are at the beginning of a row, and I'm sure a lot of us here have seen that, if we're interpreting that and looking closely, what is towards the front of any row is going to get more attention than anything that is past the fifth or the sixth um, poster. And the same thing with with the linear channels.
2: You know, a lot of the usual suspects are are what kind of populate. But I mean, we we try to promote shows as we launch, and we launched uh, Lego Dreams yesterday, and we had a lot of on channel promotion promoting the series. Um, And then other shows we bring on, then, you know, we're not certain what the expectations are going to be on the channel. Like, for example, a show like Steve and Maggie that we uh, brought on, which was a YouTube show that did extremely well for us and, uh, you know, kind of took us by surprise a little bit. So, but we try to make sure that we're promoting new shows by using banner ads and billboards and different spots to help, help those shows find an audience. But, you know, I think one of the great things about ABOT is that we do have the ability to have a large catalog of content that allows our users to kind of search and find things. So yeah, you know, to Maggie's point, some of the stuff, and we're optimizing the channel. We all are, right? So we're all kind of moving things around based on viewership. But as a as a viewer, you can come in and you can find a show maybe that you're not going to find uh somewhere else that you can spend some time watching. So you know, it's kind of that long tail approach of it's nice to have the ability to have a lot of content available for kids to watch because. They want to explore. They want to find new things. They want to watch maybe a show that they watched previously that they haven't watched in a long time. So I think that this platform allows us an opportunity to create an environment that uh, is kind of a place to find a little bit of everything you want to watch.
1: I'll just say real quickly, we also premiered Lego dreams yesterday, which is a good example that ties back into that exclusivity conversation, right? It's the new hot show from Lego and it's awesome. If you haven't seen it yet, go to Kadoodle (laughs) and watch it. Uh, (laughs) But that, you know, that's being on trend, that's being aware and on time and having the resources available within your organization to drop something that quickly. Um, So, you know, there's also, you mentioned Steve and Maggie another great brand. We also have Steve and Maggie. It's really good and fun when you see brands that don't necessarily have the cachet of SpongeBob, which does really well for us, or Dude Perfect, which is a massive YouTuber, or, you know, the pocket watches and the moon bugs, the, the packages of brands and the people that they have in their catalog. Um, you know, if, if a sh- shows have to compete against the usual suspects, as we've just said, right? We all know Pep is strong. We know that Paw Patrol is strong. And how are you going to hold up, which goes back into that social strategy and obviously that brand um, packaging and how it is special for being on that platform and being able to work with the big companies that have a lot of rules and restrictions about those conversations. Uh, so, you know, that is, you know, one thing. The last thing I'll say about it is is long form content really is the best you know that's really sticky it keeps kids there for longer our retention is very high and you know that's important for us we we know that kids are coming and they're staying and they're watching because of our completion rates so those are things that we're measuring as well um, because it costs all of us money to have these shows on our channels right so if it's not doing something that's another conversation right and we're really looking to make um, time and space uh, for the brands that are, are going to come out and do really well, and then investing more time into the ones that are doing well and adding more. When we look at licensing companies, you know, they're becoming content companies in a lot of ways. And so how you can take that, that toy experience and bring it into a content experience is also something um, to throw out there.
4: I think for our sake, we're just seeing the same correlation like the the rest of the team talked about here, what performs well on other platforms that we have then perform well uh, on our service.
0: And Maggie, you mentioned FAST. Are each of you in the FAST space? And then if so, what is the approach to curating the FAST channel versus how you structure the on-demand offering? Uh, (laughs) Do certain things perform better on FAST than when navigating an on-demand interface?
3: You know, the way that traditionally we programmed and were, you know, accustomed to or trained to watching has changed forever, you know, as of a couple of years ago. And it changes every day, we know that. Um, for me, we premiere first some of the titles on the fast channels and then we move them onto to AVOD. Um, so you, you could be watching and right now you see Team Hot Wheels on, you know, Action Zone, which is one of our linear channels, but it's not on our AVOD section yet. So we kind of kind of sneak preview them there um, and then we move them to our AVOD section. But I think it's, it's you know, 50-50. What we see performing on AVOD definitely has traction on on the on the linear channel. And our linear channels, which is really what we're measuring right now due to, our you know, the data that we get from the platform that we use, um, it's always, again, you know, the first three or four is because of the positioning. As soon as I move them, whoever moves next to our flagship Connecticut's, which is our our big numbers, uh, channel, um, we'll get some traction. So I think it's just about how people are looking at things and what's visible again, towards the front. And I think we've all seen that we get on Netflix or we get on Hulu, whatever we see first, we can't navigate. You know, people are big on these 40, 50,000 hours or more 100, hundred thousand hours. It's like, how do you even navigate? How do you even go through those catalogs? So I think, you know, you try to keep, uh, you know, a decent amount. And then what you think is going to really entice and drive your audience, you know, position them well.
2: We operate fast channels. Um, we operate fast channels for some of our key partners across Samsung, Vizio, Roku, some other places. And then we also brought a fast experience into Happy Kids, our Avod app. So now audiences who come in and they can, if they want to watch a fast experience within Happy Kids, they can do that. And we've launched a, a few key channels. We launched uh, True in the Rainbow Kingdom uh, a few months ago uh, as a fast channel on Happy Kids. And and we're finding that our audience is gravitating towards uh, some of those fast channel experiences. But the fast channels that we're launching are branded around a specific brand. I don't think kids are really, they're not a lean back audience that's going to flip on a live fast channel, start kind of thumbing to see what's on. They're going to, they're destination watchers, right? They lean in, they want to watch what they want to watch. So we're finding that branded fast channels are around a specific brand kids will gravitate towards a channel that maybe is a mixed programming channel. Maybe it's not as interesting to them because they flip it on and the show that they do want to watch is not on at that particular time. They're not going to say I'm going to come back in an hour and watch that show. So we've uh, started that. Uh, we just launched. Uh, so we've got about 10 fast channels within Happy Kids right now. And we're planning on expanding that because we've actually seen that our audience is gravitating towards that, that viewing experience.
1: I'll jump in, D- you know, what David just said about the single branded experience, right? It's a gamble if, if you've got a ton of stuff on there. Um, does some is it does ring true um, is what I'll say. And we're we've been in the fast space before it was called fast. So, you know, <laughs> same with David, I'm assuming, you know, uh, it's, it's been around for a minute. Uh, it's the hot new word, obviously, in the marketplace, and it's important to be looking at. You know, we're working with Vizio, Samsung, Plex. We're works. We're in there and making a lot of changes, and we're looking back at traditional models of television programming when we're we're looking at this because. That wheel was built, doesn't need to be broken. How can we update it? You know, personally speaking, I remember PBS when my daughter was little and when the letter of the day came on, it was time to leave for, for, you know, daycare, whatever it was at the time. Um, And that rings true when we look at our programming schedule. Um, So we're looking at day parting. What can we bring to an audience in the morning, afternoon, evening, and then on the weekend to make it special? And what kind of promotion can be done around that? Um, so for us, we're exploring, you know, how we can show up in a way that is more eventicized and leads to some social cross promotion to really tell people that that's happening, so they know and that they can participate in that viewing experience, and then of course also see it on Cadoodle if they missed it. Kind of a conversation.
4: And we we've, we've rolled out in sixteen countries in in Europe um, across a couple of different platforms. I think our edge is to have a multilingual experience. So we have the Smurfs in Arabic at six o'clock in the morning and something else in French at at 6.30, because we see that there's a large diaspora audience uh, across Europe, 20% of the population speaking another language at home uh, than they do in school. Um, And with that in mind, we wanted them to give some of the hit shows that uh, they're accustomed to see in their home country in their native language to kind of cherish their culture and where they're coming from. So um, our, our first channel is very diverse in in the structure. And then as a performance, we're seeing high performance during prime time. Prime time. So in the morning and in the afternoon. And then we try to keep it um, during the day uh, a little bit more educational. And then very early in the morning for the youngest toddlers as well as in late at night.
0: This has been a fantastic conversation. So I wanna thank you all for sharing your time and sharing your insights. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye everybody.
4: Thank you for having us.